Amen. Hey, that's right. We are once again on the topic of world religions, cults, and the occult. And once again, we are on the fourth topic. That's right. There, as you can see, is Hinduism. And once again, I already kind of told you, but I'll just do that for the sake of repetition. Guess how far we're getting tonight? No, we're getting along where, if that's a word. We're going all over the place, just not in the workbook yet. So, but anyway, that's right. <laughs> now, just if you were here last week, we just began to uh, study just kind of an introduction into this topic. And uh, we dealt with uh, what is Hinduism. Of course, remember uh, people who gravitated towards the area in India in the Indus River. That's Hindu, Indus. Okay, that's where you get the term there. Uh, also began to say, well, where they based their beliefs on? We saw there with some of their so-called sacred writings, and that was called the Vedas. Okay, and a bunch of other ones there. And unfortunately, they're nothing like the Bible. So again, if somebody comes up to you and say, oh, it's just all religious books out there, the Hindu Vedas, the Bible, and the Book of Mormon, they're all just, you know, this religious... No, they're not. Okay? What they just told you is they don't know anything about Christianity, and they certainly don't know anything about other religions. They're just parodying what the world wants you to think about that. But the Hindu Vedas, of course, there's no reliability. There's no real agreement on it, as we saw before. The Hindus are up to, currently, I don't know who did the counting, but they're currently up to 330 million gods. Okay, the different paths, and we're going to see what is one of the biggest mindsets in the world, even the church today. 25% of the church has this mindset. It doesn't matter what faith you follow, all paths lead to heaven. 25% of the American church professing Christians believe that. That's Hinduism. Okay, that's that mindset. Hey, just, hey, must make 331 million. You know, who cares? You know, it's that same kind of mentality. But their Vedas were written on bark, uh, palm leaves. That even if we could find the originals, uh, it ain't happening, whatever. So it's just all this mishmash of stuff and whatever, and it's not coherent, unfortunately. And that's just the facts, unlike the scripture, the Bible. Uh, a whole different story. We dealt with that. Then we got into their history and the chronology of Hinduism and their beginning efforts uh, to evangelize the West. Okay, and that's what we're going to deal with tonight. And we're going to deal with one specific aspect tonight. And we're going to deal with these critters uh, called Word of Faith Teachers. Anybody familiar with those guys? That's the guys with the uh, exciting, uh, uh, unfortunate ministries on TV. And they have you sow seed in my ministry. You do this. You, you give God $100. I'll give, he's going to give you $10,000. He's going to give you $100. You just keep sowing. Lie from the pit of hell. And it's not just a lie from the pit of hell. What we're going to see tonight is these guys have ripped it off from, guess who? Hinduism, they don't even know their own history. Where'd they come from? How'd that get started? And how's it being passed off as Christianity today? Okay, it's Hinduism. But people don't know Hinduism, so they don't get the connection there. And that's what we're going to do. But we're now going to get into their, some of the, uh, we dealt with the, <clears throat> where do they come from, their chronology, their history, their so-called sacred writings, where they get their beliefs. Now we're going to get into some of their <clears throat> terminology. And some of their terminology, not only their beliefs, have crept into the church. Okay, but uh, the first one <clears throat> is the term ahimsa, uh, H. A-H-I-M-S-A, Ahimsa, and that is their, what's called their doctrine of non-violence to all life, right? Can't step on that ant, can't do whatever, uh, can't eat a cow. Uh, <laughs> let's just close in prayer. I'm, no, but you can't, right, all that stuff. And this is what we saw last time if you were here with uh, uh, Gandhi, remember? He was supposed to have this uh, Ahimsa, this non-violence, but he helped people to uh, go into fight for World War I and, and there was other things. That's the tip of the iceberg. Remember his attitude towards the Jewish people? Yeah, they should have been, you know, gave themselves up and, and uh, jumped off a cliff or whatever. It's what? Right? But that's, that's, that's a hymn. Now, believe it or not, folks, this forms the basis also. Remember nonviolence? Okay? This forms the basis, and this is a huge doctrine in Hinduism, and that is the issue of vegetarianism. That's, that's not popular today. You never hear about that. That's not being pushed in schools and, and little kids. and Yeah, it's all over the place. And most people don't realize it's an evangelistic tool 
from Hinduism to get the U.S. So is another practice we'll get into, Lord willing, maybe next time, and that's the issue of yoga. It's being sold as a bill of goods. Uh, even the Hindu uh, gurus, they admit you cannot have Hinduism without yoga. You cannot have yoga without Hinduism. It's one and the same, and we'll get into what it really means and what that practice really does, okay? But there's different belief systems. All religions lead the same. That's Hinduism. That's already crept into the church. Yoga is being sold as a, a health thing. It's not a health thing. It's a spiritual thing. You don't want to mess with it. We'll get to that. And what you're seeing also with vegetarianism, folks, this is a big tenet of Hinduism, and people are buying into it thinking it's the best thing since sliced bread, and it's not. Now, let's go back to what brought Ron and I to a tear, and that was the sad news that you can't eat a cow. Right? And we know that. That's one of the big things there. Uh, Hindus have a taboo against cows. So let me get you, where do we get this term sacred cow? Right? The sacred cow. Right? Hinduism. Okay? Well, the verse is in the Rig Veda. Remember those different Vedas, the writings? This is from their writings. This is what they believe. Okay, they refer to the cow as a, a Devi or a Diva goddess identified with Aditi, who is supposed to be the mother of gods. Okay? That's who they identify the cow with. Now, uh, the ancient Vedic scriptures encouraged vegetarianism, okay, and, and taught that it brought great rewards, okay? Uh, later, uh, and we're going to see a bunch of split-offs later in our study with Hinduism. You got Jainism, you got Buddhism, and New Age, and all that stuff. Uh, they also stopped eating beef, okay? Cow continued to be revered and protected uh, in the animals in India, and by the early centuries A.D., the cow was designated, listen, as the appropriate gift to the Brahmins. Okay, that was the high class, uh, caste priesthood, you know, the big guys, spiritual, super spiritual ones. And, uh, and it was soon said that to kill a cow is equal to killing a Brahmin. Ooh. Right? And then it was further reiterated in the Krishna stories, in the Bhagavad or however you pronounce that one, the other writing. Remember that? Uh, they further reinforce the sanctity of the cow, and the cow remains protected in Hindus today. And obviously, Hindus, that's just one thing. Like with Islam, don't eat pig. These guys don't eat cow. Sad either way you look at it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so anyway. Uh, and uh, most rural Indian communities, they actually have a cow. Okay. Now, what they will do with the cow is they'll use it, obviously, for milk and butter and stuff and cheese. And a lot of these things they add, they give as offerings, right? But just don't eat it, right? Things that, and it's actually cre it's like a family, it's part of the family, right? Now, that I can identify with. Okay, but anyway, so uh, until you eat it. But anyway, so, uh, but anyway, uh, but you go over there to India today, and you might be surprised. You see cows walking all over the place. Okay, uh, and city streets, living on the garbage in the gutters, they're just walking around. But the cow was honored in India at least once a year. <clears throat> it's a cow holiday. I'm not making this up. It's called Go Pastami. And when I saw that first, I was getting into it. I thought it was Go Pastrami. And I, no, no, it's Go Pastami. So I just want to make sure you don't get off track like I almost did. Okay, but uh, it's called Go Pastami. I kid you not. And they're washed. The cows are washed and decorated in the temple and given offerings in the hope that their gifts. Uh, uh, of life will continue, etc. blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's that issue of the vegetarian movement. Now, believe it or not, this issue of vegetarian is being pushed today. And it's just one, hey, and again, it's America. If you want to be a vegetarian, eat veggies, go for it. My son loves all these stinky vegetables, right? That's, have you guys got a rule like I do in house? I, I, vegetables, I don't care what color it is, I don't care what it is. It's a simple rule. I think it's very, this is basic logic, right? If it stinks when you cook it, don't eat it. <laughs> No cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, yeah, stinks, right? I'm sorry. But anyway, I digress. But he loves vegetables. So, hey, listen, if you want to eat vegetables, eat vegetables. I don't care. But what happens is this is getting hijacked, and it's being used just like with yoga to indoctrinate people into Hinduism. They have no clue. 
They have no clue. Now, what's interesting, the Bible says in the last days, you're going to see a couple weird things going on as signs. You don't know the date or the hour, but when is it getting closer to living the last days? And of all things the Bible talks about is a restriction from certain food being pushed on a global basis. And this vegetarian movement we're going to see in a little bit is being pushed around the world. Okay, open your Bibles, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's take a look at the text there, 1 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> and uh, if you find 2 Timothy, what do you do? Right on. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and he's talking clearly about the last days. Again, we don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but how do you know it's getting close? What are you going to see appear on the scene uh, when you're getting close to that? Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says this, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, clearly says that in the what? Latter times, last days, what have you. Some will abandon the faith and follow. Listen to what they're going to follow. They're going to turn away from the Bible, and what are they going to follow? Deceiving spirits, right? Where does all lies come from? Satan. He's the father of all lies, right? So behind every lie, ultimately, is some sort of demonic, deceiving spirit, right? And so in the last days, you're going to see this major rush of people that are just going to turn away from the truth. They're going to follow all kinds of whacked out stuff. Deceiving spirits, things taught by what? Well, that's a pretty strong word there. Demons. Has anybody seen the Hindu deities, the gods and goddesses? Man, they are creepy. As we're, and we haven't got there yet. When we start getting into that, folks, it is demonic. But people are following this stuff. And so right there, just that one aspect, that's already happening today. All right, now, such teachings come through hypocritical liars. Okay, remember, hypocritical. You say you're doing, doing one thing, but then you're not. Okay. And uh, whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They what? Two things here, two characteristics. They forbid people to what? marry and they not it's not an option anymore they order them to abstain from certain foods okay so does anybody know anybody on the planet who uh, says that uh, you shouldn't get married rhymes with catholic who's one of the biggest people around uh on the planet uh, who's pushing for the global religion as we saw before Roman Catholic Church, the Pope, right? And that's one of their false teachings is that, you know, as a priest, you can't get married, etc., blah, 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 celibacy, and all that stuff. So that was written nearly 2,000 years ago, okay? Number two, it says they're going to order you. Again, that's not an option. At some point, maybe it starts out as an option, but at some point, these guys, they're actually going to order you to abstain from certain foods, right? Now, we're going to see this in New Age, but it's also in Hinduism. Part of the restriction of the food diet, whether it's vegetarianism or other thing, that is what they believe is going to help clean, uh, cleanse you to cleanse you, to become a better channel, to be more open, to commune with the spirits, which are demons, okay? Because there's different ways to get into an altered state of consciousness. But diet is a big thing, believe it or not, in the cults and the occult, and even in Hinduism, to cleanse the body, right, of these impurities, right? And it's being sold as a bill of goods today to people. Oh, this is good for your health. Well, there might be some physical benefits, just like, okay, if you want to do uh, meditation, it might actually lower your heart rate. Doesn't mean it's good for you, right? Same thing was here. Okay, as we're going to see uh, in just a second, okay? But that's the same thing. Now, the problem is with this, it is a lie. Is it wrong for us to eat meat? No. We should say that with greater joy. No. Yeah. Let's all join the choir. This is great. No, why? Because we base it on our own personal opinions. No, the Bible says so. Genesis chapter 9, after the flood. Now, before, prior, yeah, mankind was vegetarian. I don't even have time to get into this, get our uh, studies in the days of Noah. But in the, uh, probably due to the uh, effects of the global change on the planet after the global flood, after the global most likely canopy of some sort was around the earth, that uh, the, the, the physical effects on the human body, the lifespans went down, and, and, and all kinds of things began to take place after the flood. Well, apparently, there was a reason why man needs to go now to, uh, to be a carnivore, not just vegetarian. 
okay? Because it has physical effects. Apparently, that's needed in the human body. We'll get to that in a second. But Genesis chapter 9, uh, it says this, uh, verse 2 through 3, The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts. This is after the flood of the earth, all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground, upon all the fish of the sea. Okay, they're given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you, just as I gave you. God speaking the green plants. Now I now give you everything. So what can you eat? Everything. God said, I didn't say it. Paul also says this in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Okay? So it's clearly, the, the gates are open, you can eat whatever. And again, I'm going to get into the range as to why you need to eat some meat. Okay? But anyway, but this is what the vegetarian movement does. Okay? And, and, and when you get into it, these guys, if I like to, I don't necessarily like to use this word because sometimes it's used against you and I, the Christian militant okay but it kind of fits there have you noticed that uh, these people behind the movement like PETA and serve we're going to get to that in a second hey this isn't just an option if you want to do that go for it but they are ordering they want to order the rest of us on the planet we have to restrict ourselves from meat okay this is what the bible talks about okay and if you look at their belief system it is straight out of hinduism all animals all earth animals plants all is god Part of the, the Brahma, okay? And that man is destroying the earth along with the animals and plants. And unless man changes his ways, Mother Earth will be forced to destroy humanity. And guess who's the biggest culprit thereafter? Christianity. Why? Because the Bible teaches that man has dominion over the earth and the earth is not a living being. The earth was created by God. There's a huge difference there. Okay, but this is what they do. They say that, listen, we cannot eat meat. You better not eat meat. And they're trying to get us to stop doing that. Okay, and, and again, where does this belief system come from? Who was on the scene long before PETA ever showed up? It's Hinduism, folks. This is part of their evangelistic effort that they started at the turn of the last century. It's now all over the place, and it's even creeping into the church. But let me give you just, a, if, to use that word again, militant, how these guys are. Okay, I don't know if you guys seen that. I'm going to read the transcript. Uh, the, they got all kinds of commercials. I don't frankly recommend them because some of them, frankly, are pretty gross. Okay. And I understand you're trying to do the shock value, but I think they go over the line. Okay, but this one was a, a commercial they did for a Thanksgiving, a PETA Thanksgiving. PETA, of course, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Okay, that's what that stands for. And so there's the whole family, you know, they got this, the, the scene there, and they're all gathered around Thanksgiving, the big food and turkey, meat in the middle and stuff. And, and so the dad looks over to the young girl, he says, hey, would you like to say grace? And she goes, uh, sure, dad. And she goes, dear God, this is our commercial. Thank you for the turkey we're about to eat. And for the turkey farms where they pack them in dark and tiny little sheds for their whole lives. And thank you for when they burn their feathers off while they're still alive. And for when the turkeys get kicked around like a football and killed by people who think it's fun to stomp on their little turkey heads. And special thanks to all the chemicals and the dirt and all the other yucky stuff that's in the turkey that we're about to eat. Oh, and thank you for the rainbows. Amen. And then the message on the screen pops up this Thanksgiving. Be thankful you're not a turkey. Go vegan, PETA. And this is the kind of shock value they're trying to get us to say, oh, no, meat is bad. I, I'm not making this up. Who said it's fine? God. So, Peter, are you bigger than God? Are you more important to God? Should I listen to you above God? And again, hey, if you want to eat veggies, go eat veggies all you want. But these guys, that's not what they want. Their agenda is to order you, stop it. And that's what the Bible says, believe it or not. Of all things for God to mention, a couple characteristics of the last days, people are going to say you shouldn't marry. Hmm, wonder who that is. And then people are going to show up on the scene and say, you shouldn't eat this. Same thing's going on, okay? And again, I'm not against uh, inhumane treatment of animals, okay? But there's a seduction going here. I'm not saying that that's the best way to raise turkeys in these farms and all that stuff, okay? 
And I got some horror stories, believe you me, from growing up in the Midwest. So I'm well familiar with that. I'm not saying that, right? And frankly, I do believe you can learn a lot about a person and how they treat animals. But the problem is when you place animals above man and you worship them above God. That's idolatry. You're out of balance. Okay? Is that. But they also promote a global movement. Now, there's another group out there, not just with PETA, who's pushing this. Okay, another one is called SERVE. Okay? And they don't want to serve you any meat. Okay, serve stands for the Society of Ethical Religious Vegetarians. Okay, and that tells you right there, they're what? They're not just vegetarians, they've gone the next step. What do they now want to push? A religion. I wonder which one that is. A religious mindset. This is the seduction. It starts out, oh, I'm going to save the animals. Or this is supposed to be good for my body. And you get sucked into a religious mindset, which is Hinduism. Okay, but listen to serve, okay? Uh, They promote a global movement. Okay, that we need to save the animals, which of course somehow is going to save the planet, okay, with a restrictive diet. And listen to their words. We need an interfaith effort. What's interfaith? That's the buzzword for one world religion, right? We need a global movement, a global crisis, all globally working together on this global issue and we can save the... It's a bunch of baloney. It's a seduction. We need an interfaith effort to gain a more humane, just, peaceful, and environmentally sustainable world. We believe that by applying spiritual values to scientific knowledge encourages plant-based diets. Oh, by the way, don't you feel sorry for the plants? I mean, if this is a, a basic tenet of Hinduism, ahimsa, and, 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 and you know, your nonviolence towards all life, isn't plants a life? Hypocritical liars, their consciences are seers. You can't even talk logic. Oh, no, no. It's just, hey, if you mean all life, that means all life. You can't pick and choose. It's being hypocritical. Even that fits the text that was written 2,000 years ago. Uh, but plant-based diets with major benefits to humans, animals, and the environment. It is essential that there is a major shift towards vegetarian to, listen to this, this is the panacea. If we all just get rid of meat, restrict ourselves from certain food items, listen to what it will do. This will end diseases, horrible mistreatment of animals, threats to ecosystems, global climate change, wasteful use of water, land, fuel, widespread hunger, and increasing violence. (sighs) Okay, whatever. Uh, Through the efforts, now they're working with other ones, through the efforts of environmentalists. That's another smoking gun, isn't it? Oh, let's all get together to save the planet. And hey, every day as a Christian, I wake up and I go, oh, how can I pour toxic waste on the planet and destroy life? Because <laughs> I have dominion. No Christian thinks that. That's ridiculous. That's not what it means to be a caretaker of the world. Okay, but again, that has been hijacked. Environmentalism is paganism. Mother Gaia worship, Gaia worship, okay? And that you worship the earth, that she's a living entity. And we got to say, that's paganism. But, but they don't say that because then nobody's going to jump on it, certainly not in the church. So call it environmentalism. And what happens is you go far enough and you start linking up and, oh, it ceases to become just a moral movement. Now it's become religious. And guess what religion it leads to? Back to Hinduism. Back to Hinduism. Been around for a long time. Okay, through the efforts of environmentalists, vegetarians, and animal rights activists, the earth will become a healthier, happier place for all species to live. Exactly like the Bible says. Now, it's going on a global scale. Remember, what did this text there? It says they are going to not only force people, uh, forbid people to marry, it says to order them to abstain from certain foods, right? The UN right now, folks, recently came out with a statement demanding us to, quote, eat less meat to save the planet. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, I have a, 
a range of ideas as to why they would push this. And just, I'm almost there. Okay. <laughs> Quote, this is from the UN. The world needs to change to a more vegetarian diet to stand a chance of tackling climate change. Oh, save the planet. Isn't this crazy? Of all things to promote vegetarianism, which is Hinduism, and that's your panacea to save the planet. And why in the world would you constantly, constantly push this thing uh, called uh, vegetarianism? Well, I got a theory, and I want to share that with you tonight. Now, this I've been carrying around with me. I kid you not for years, because every time I say it, you guys know me. Um, I, I, I kind of like cow. So when I start talking about pro-beef stuff, they're going, oh, you're biased. That's you, Pastor Billy. You're anti-chick. Right? No. Right? This is from, I've been carrying my little proof range magazine, okay, from 2004, back when I was pastoring in, uh, and you can come look at this if you want later, but I'm going to give you the source, because this isn't like some christianconspiracywackyguy.org, no, this is taken from science, I'll even give you the, the thing if you want to look it up, Science News Online, volume uh, 158, pages 26 through 27, oh, by the way, Science News Online, from a scientific study, so this isn't some, oh, of course you're going to come up with that, no, listen to this. Now, first, I'm going to start off with a couple quotes from PETA. This is how they are wanting to order us. Stop. You're going to kill everybody. Direct quote. Feeding kids meat is child abuse. Direct quote. Goes on. They say meat kills more people than drugs in this country. Excuse me? And obesity is reaching epidemic levels. Okay? Listen to this. Parents who refuse to heed this advice are putting their children's lives in jeopardy every bit as much as parents who engage in obvious and overt abusive behavior. So if my kid eats meat, if I let them eat meat, I am doing something horrible and dangerous as if I'm trying to shoot them up with heroin. you got to be kidding me. That's, that's pretty audacious. Now, so the point is, this is crazy. Why, why, would, why, would, why would even the UN get on this set? you got to eat less meat. Eat less meat. Whatever you do. And Notice how they're pushing on the kids. Have you noticed how many young kids growing up? Oh, I don't want to eat meat. Okay, I'll eat, it. I'll eat yours. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's the only positive thing I can think. <laughs> but I feel sad for you. But they don't realize, listen, there's harmful effects. It's the exact opposite of what Pete is saying. And this is what the science news is saying. Listen to this. Children starting out on a vegan diet demonstrated, listen, neurological impairments, brain damage, if you just go vegan when you're younger. And listen to this. Uh, and it persisted, even when animal products were added later. So in other words, you couldn't reverse it. Animal products providing the recommended daily allowance of vitamin B12 failed to bring blood levels of B12 up to normal in formerly vegan children. Now listen to the results. Kids who are deficient in B12 scored substantially lower on tests measuring spatial ability, short-term memory, and fluid ability defined as, quote, the capacity to solve complex problems, abstract thinking, and the ability to learn. What's the best way to create a society of people who will never resist you? They're just dumbed down like cattle. They're slaves. They'll do whatever you say to do because they, they don't even have the thinking capacity. Eat less meat. Save the planet. Start we high because the uh, effects are non-reversible. Can you believe that? Absolutely crazy and demonic. And the funny thing is, it's been there in the Bible for about 2,000 years. This is a sign you're in the last days, okay, that this is taking place, okay? Uh, so let's go ahead and turn to somebody and say, hey, eat cow, good brain. <laughs> somebody? Okay, let's just move on. Okay, 
That's all the first term. The first term is from ahimsa, non-doctrine, vegetarian. Atmen, that's their uh, self uh, or spiritual essence in all individual human beings. Asanas, okay, asanas is the, one of the physical postures or ways of sitting in order to do yoga, okay. Uh, ashram, that's their word for a spiritual community. You've heard of that probably. Uh, avatars, how many of you guys heard that? There was a movie on the avatars. Avatar, that's a Hindu tech, uh, a term. Uh, it literally means manifestations of their gods. Uh, they are said to intervene in history, to fight against evil, and to maintain that the universe functions in accordance with dharma or cosmic order. Uh, examples that they believe who would be avatars, of course, would be Krishna. That's one of their biggest ones. Uh, but they also believe that Jesus was an avatar. How many of you guys have heard that mindset today, even the church? Oh, Jesus, yeah, he was a good teacher, but, but he was no different. Than, he was sent to the earth to help us, like, you know, like Buddha, Muhammad. What, that's this avatar mentality. Where does it come from? Hinduism. Hinduism. But that's how they would relegate Jesus, okay? And we're going to get into that more later because there's 10, top 10 of them, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, bhakti yoga. Now, this is the form of yoga through which a person, listen, loses oneself through devotion uh, to a personal concept of God, including either Krishna or Rama. The whole goal of yoga, as we're going to see in great detail, yoga means to yoke or have union with the Hindu gods, the Hindu deities, okay? And they're all demonic, excuse me. Uh, the popular ones there, of course, Krishna or Rama. And the whole goal is through this physical contortion, it will actually get you into an altered state of consciousness. There's many different ways to get into an altered state of consciousness. Could be repetitive chanting, that's part of Hinduism. Could be uh, jumping up and down, that's what we're going to see part of Hinduism. Uh, it could be rigorous exercise and things of that nature. Uh, yoga with body postures, you could do it with the drugs, you could do it with music. All, there's many different ways to get into an altered state of consciousness. Yoga is one of those. And they clearly admit that this, the whole goal is this is one of their tools to try to break out of this endless cycle of reincarnation, trying to work off your karma of a bad life and make it to, you know, lose yourself into this deity and become like them. Did I ever once mention exercise? Folks, this is straight from them. And yet that's how, it's just like the other stuff. Vegetarianism and all this other stuff, it's just, it sucks people in. Oh, it's just exercise. You keep it up and it's going to become spiritual real fast. But again, we'll get into that uh, later. Devi or goddess, that's what the, the word for goddess. Uh, uh, Diana, D-H-Y-A-N-A, -A, uh, not to be confused with uh, Wimberly, uh, is uh, the word for uh, meditation. Okay, and guru. This is about as far as we're going to get tonight. How many of you guys heard that term guru? There's always a financial guru. Guru this, a guru that, a goo, goo, goo. Goo, goo, goo. Okay, but anyway, so, uh, but uh, that's really into our English language. A lot of Hinduism has already crept into our language. So I want to talk about the Hindu gurus. Now, the Hindu gurus, okay, are supposed to be the God man, right? Basically, God on earth. That's who they are. And their devotees do whatever they say. And their devotees is, I want to be like you. God, man, I want to achieve that status, right? And of course, what does the guru do? Well, you have to give me your money, right? Uh, you have to, uh, I will give you trinkets for your money, and these trinkets are going to help you with these different techniques to be like me. Now, another thing, we, people get that, the guru, and they think, they're, oh, they're just in India. There's a ton of them over here in the West. In fact, they actually like the Western disciples more because you know why? We got a lot more money. And these people literally surrender it all over to these gurus to become like them. And what they do, and I'm going to bring out some inner things the rest of the time. We have, I believe, modern day American gurus in the church. 
And that's what we're going to finish up. We're going to do a polemic study. We're going to take a look at these Eastern gurus, Indian gurus, and what they believe and their lifestyles. And then we're going to look at these guys that's called word of faith. And then we're going to find out where they got their beliefs from. And folks, it is straight out of Hinduism. Most people don't know. They are modern-day Hindu gurus. But let's take a look at the gurus. Now, one of the big things that the gurus are known for is their absolutely tremendous wealth. I mean, crazy wealth. And, of course, their rationale is, well, it's okay for us to do this because we're not affected by it anymore. <laughs> Whatever. Okay? Now, what do these guys push? Wealth. We're also going to see that they're pushing, you can have the Hindu gurus perfect health if you have the right trinket and give them some cash and learn their techniques with the force of your words. What's that sound like? These guys over here, right? And we're going to go on and on uh, with that. But let's take a look at just how rich these guys are. Most people have no clue uh, of that, uh, what's going on. But the, listen to this. The modern-day gurus, the Indian ones, possess a massive amount of wealth. Well, all right, remember that guy we talked about last week, Sai Baba? Okay, I need to make one correction. I said he was 84 years old, still kicking. He died when he was 84 uh, in 2011. But listen to his wealth, okay, uh, that he had. His financial worth, okay, uh, is estimated to be this, 40,000 and uh, what's called a crore. That sounds like a manly thing. Crore. Arg. Anyway, what a crore? what's a crore? A crore is their uh, denomination for one crore equals 10 million. Okay, one crore equals 10 million. So if you do that, did the math with the current exchange rates, et cetera, blah, 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 you can find anything on the internet nowadays. Uh, this guy was worth, listen to this, $6.7 billion. Not million, billion. These guys are ripping these people. And it's sad. If you, India, oh, everybody's so rich over there. Are you kidding? Poor, dirt poor, starving to death. Not these guys. Sound familiar? Modern day gurus. Uh, another guy, yoga guru, Baba Ramdev. Oh, what, what kind of a guru? Yoga guru. Uh, he was born in a farmer's family in uh, Harana, and uh, he controls over 11,000 crore. He has over uh, three dozen uh, companies. He's worth 1.7 billion, if you do the math. These guys, man. And uh, uh, Mata, uh, whatever, way too many constants strung together lady. Uh, <laughs> She's a female uh, uh, guru, uh, and some of their traditions, too, they believe that if it's a female guru, that's even more better, spiritual, but whatever. But uh, she's revered uh, by the people as a, literally as a saint, uh, and she's called the hugging saint uh, because she spontaneously embraces people and comforts them in their sorrow uh, by giving them a hug. She has hugged close, they say, close to 30 million people to date, which is why the common cold will never go away, <laughs> is my theory. No, certainly <laughs> But she is the richest, what's called the richest God woman, because they think she's God incarnate on the planet. She's got 1,500 cores. She owns a small island, her own small island in a posh five-story building. She's worth a quarter billion dollars. Let me just give you one more. Uh, Sri Sri Rava, whatever something. He's a spiritual leader known worldwide. He is the founder of a famous uh, institute called the Art of Living uh, uh, Foundation. Notice there's not one Hindu word in there, nothing, whatever. It just sounds, hey, that sounds the Art of Living Foundation. I'll get involved in that. That's part of their deal. All right, now listen. It's estimated he has, listen to this. This is, this is crazy. He's got over 300 million followers. Do you know what this, I looked at this today. You know what the population of the United States is? 318 million. 
This guy's got a following the size of the United States in 151 countries, okay? And uh, he's got 1,000 crore or $149 million. Now, now, why do they do this? Why do they live such lavish lifestyles? This is from their own teachings. I'm not making it up. It's not wackyguyconspiracy.org. This is from Hindu websites and the teaching. In Hinduism, wealth is considered divine, right? And an essential requirement, uh, Lakshmi, the goddess of good fortune and prosperity is revered by all Hindus. Wealth, or what they call Artha, is also considered to be one of the chief aims of human life. Uh, they don't consider wealth, Hinduism doesn't consider wealth as evil per se. Living in comfort or opulence is not a sin. Having a comfortable bank balance is, or assets is not sinful. What they would consider sinful is hoarding it. Excuse me, what do you think you're doing? And what's the scripture say? Hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as a hot iron. You could bring this out, oh, you got it wrong. I'm above this, and that's why I have the ability to enjoy such opulence. What? I can't even talk to you. Okay, and because, again, they're supposed to be the godmen or godwoman on earth, right? So their rationale is, well, we're just being like our gods. Because if you look at the Hindu gods and goddesses, they personify opulence. Gold and riches and rights. Well, I'm just being like the gods we follow. So that's their mindset, okay, that Hinduism, it's perfectly fine to be absolutely wealthy. Now, believe it or not, that too is a sign you're in the last days in the church. When you see people coming into the church and it's all about greed and they're ripping people off their cash, it's not only Hinduism, we'll see in a second, it's a sign you're in the last days. Open to your next text, 2 Peter 2, 2 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. If you find 3 Peter, what do you do? Uh, get a new Bible. That's not, not, not in there. Uh, <clears throat> trick question. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Listen to another characteristics. How do you know uh, it's getting close? Uh, let's take a this. But there are also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Who's the context? The church. All right? There will be in the future among you. Now listen, here's what they're going to do. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many, not a few, a whole slug of people will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Now, before I continue on, when you, this word of faith, oh, if you just have enough faith, you can have this perfect life and a, and a Cadillac and a mind, you could live like a guru. Well, I can't say that, it's too obvious. Uh, and then you could do all this stuff and you got perfect health and all this stuff. And, and if you just send me your money, even the world knows. You guys are a bunch of hucksters. Have you done that? Have you noticed that? And yet the church won't say nothing. And what's it do? It brings our truth, the truth of Christianity, into what? Shameful disrepute. Call a spade a spade. Anyway, so it goes on. And he says they're going to follow their ways. Okay, In their what? What's the motive? It's greed. Okay, In their greed, these teachers will exploit you. Who's you? The church. Christians, they're going to exploit you with stories they made up. It's not even true. Their condemnation has been long hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. In other words, you don't want to be around when the hammer comes down. Okay? And this is rampant in the church, folks. You look at these guys, unfortunately, who seems to control Christian TV, okay? And they've got all the media behind them, unfortunately. It's totally demonic. These guys are ripping the church off of their cash. And it's not just ripping Christians off their cash. Nine times out of ten, it's poor people off their cash. Right? I grew up in the Midwest. Man, that was rampant back there. Why? Because there's so much poverty, right? And as Christians, we need to trust God. It says be content with what you have and, and things of that nature. But, but it's, when you're poor, it's just, you, oh, maybe, and if, if, the, if you throw some Christianese on it, maybe, maybe that's how I can get out of this. 
And they're rip, just like the gurus in India, they're ripping the poor people off. Okay, it's rampant in the church today. Now, what people don't get, okay, yeah, I've heard a word of faith. You've talked about that before, Pastor Billy. But most people don't realize that the core of the word of faith movement, where they get their beliefs from, is Hinduism. It's not just similar. This is where they're getting it from. They have taken Hinduism and Hindu teachings, and they've slapped Christianese on it, and they're selling a bill of goods. These guys are all about, if you have enough faith, if you just speak the right word and use the force of faith, if you repeat this phrase over and over, that's Hinduism. That you have the God force and you could use this mantra to create your own reality. That's Hinduism. They just changed changed the terminology. Now listen to what these guys say. Here's just a sampling. Jesse Duplantis, he's one of these guys. He said the very first thing on Jesus' agenda was to get rid of poverty. Uh, Excuse me? Destroy sin, destroy the works of the devil, right? And to save us from sin. That's what Jesus, excuse me? Nuts. Frederick Price, the apostles were businessmen. They were rich men and had plenty of money. I'm going to show you that Jesus was a wealthy man and had plenty of money. Jesus and the disciples were rich. Only rich people could take off for three and a half years. With stories they made up, the scripture says. You've got to be kidding me. Uh, listen to this. Uh, John Amanzina, Jesus was handling big money because that treasury he had was a thief. He's speaking to Judas. Now, you can't tell me that a ministry with a treasurer that's a thief can operate on a few pennies. It took big money to operate that ministry because Judas was stealing out of that bag. And if you got a treasurer, that means you got a lot of money. Creflo Dollar. Oh, I'm telling you, Jesus wasn't poor. He didn't wear no rags either like we march on in these Easter little plays that we do at our church with these raggedy sheets on. Jesus didn't have no rags on. He wore designer clothes, honey. Wow. Robert Tilton, the only time people were poor in the Bible is when they were under a curse. Quote, being poor is a sin. He who was rich, Jesus became poor for our sakes. Wow. One more, Frederick Price again. He said, the whole point I'm trying to get you to see, to get you out of this malaise of thinking, is that Jesus and the disciples were poor. And then relating that to you, thinking that uh, you as a child of God have to follow that with Jesus. The Bible says that he left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. That's the reason why I drive a Rolls Royce. I'm following Jesus' footsteps. You got to be kidding me. Who also drives a rich, lavish lifestyle and tells people if you just have this right force of faith with your word? Hinduism. Hindu gurus, that's how they live. That's how these guys live. Now, Hinduism, again, they have another teaching, and we'll get into this, Lord willing, later. You not only can have this absolute wealth if you do what the guru tells you to do, Okay, but you can have perfect wealth or, or perfect health. Okay, have all this wealth and then you have perfect wealth. Hinduism teaches that in order to get this perfect wealth, that, and I quote, by chanting Hindu charms, you take these special little charms, these amulets, these trinkets that they'll give you, and you got to carry it with you and you got to chant with it and, and out of the Vedas and all this stuff, and then, and then that's what's going to give you perfect health. Right? It's where we get like a lucky, we, we would call it lucky charm. It's Hinduism. These guys do the absolute same thing. Not only say that you can have perfect wealth if you do what the guru says to do, but you can have perfect health. Listen to this. Benny Hinn again. Uh, sickness doesn't belong to you, he says. It's no, it has no part in the body of Christ. Sickness doesn't belong to any of us. The Bible declares that if the word of God is in our life, there will be health, there will be healing, uh, divine health, divine healing. There will be no sickness for the saint of God. That means not even a headache, a sinus problem, not even a toothache, nothing. No sickness should come your way. Excuse me? You mean to tell me this guy never once had a headache? He's never been in the hospital? He never took cold medicine? Hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared, right? 
Kenneth Hagin says, It is the plan of our Father God and His great love and His great mercy that no believer should ever be sick. Read the Bible. Okay? Kenneth Copeland, huge guy with this. He says, You begin to meditate on those scriptures, even uses that term from Hinduism, uh, until you built an inner image of yourself healed. Remember, it's you. You're the God force. You can tap into that. You can create this. That's New Age. It's Hinduism. And as that image grew more and more crisp and clear, you began to expect or hope for that image to become a reality. You'll be expecting the very presence of God to rise up in you so powerfully that instead of believing for healing every six weeks, you'll walk in divine health every day. Marilyn Hickey, this one's wild. And this is a direct quote. I'm not making this up. Here's what you do. Remember, again, with Hinduism, it's your mantra, right? You got you to quote these chants over and over again. This is what's going to give you all that stuff that you need and perfect health and all that stuff. You just repeat it over. You just say this thing over and over and over again. Okay, and that's why they flip out. Have you heard that? They say, oh, don't say that. You know, you're sitting there just going, man, I just, I'm feeling kind of sick. Oh, don't you say that. If you say that, you're going to become sick. Don't you realize your words have... That's Hinduism. But those in that camp, that's why they freak out. Because that's what they're taught. You're going to make your... No, I don't think so. But anyway, here, listen to what she said. Quote, say to your body, your whole body, why you just function so beautifully and so well. Why, body, you never have any problems. You're a strong, healthy body. Or speak to your legs, speak to your foot, speak to your neck, speak to your back. Speak to a psychiatrist. I'm sorry. This is crazy, right? Come on, right? And, and what you've spoken and what you believe and receive, don't go back on it. Speak to your wife, speak to your husband, speak to your circumstances. Speak faith to them and create in them and God will create what you're speaking. No, he won't. God is not your butler. But that's it. If you tap in with these words and this mantra and the God force is bound to do it, that's Hinduism. But you slap some Christian knees on it. Nobody knows what Hinduism is, doesn't do their homework. Bang. That's what we got today. Frederick Price, listen, this is sick. And I'll use that word, sick. This is sick. What this does to people. How can you glorify, he says, God in your body when it doesn't function right? How can you glorify God? Excuse me, what's John 9 say? Why did that guy, why was he sitting there for so long? To glorify God. Right? He said, how can you glorify God? How can he get glory when your body doesn't even work? What makes you think the Holy Ghost wants to live inside of a body where he can't see through the windows and he can't hear through the ears? What makes you think the Holy Spirit wants to live inside of a physical body where the limbs and organs and cells don't function right? Well, he just did every single person who's ever had a disease, ever got a disease, uh, ever confined to a wheelchair, has body parts that didn't work right. He just put a stake in their heart. And again, this is the same mindset as Hinduism. Because these people, when these people don't get healed, right? Because I tried your little mantra thing. I got your little trinket thing that you said, if I do this and this technique and I say these right words, I'm healed. I'm still in the wheelchair. What they will say, they have the audacity to say, well, it must be some secret sin. You don't have enough faith. Do you know also who teaches that? You know why these gurus won't help the people dying and starving to death on the side of the road, even though they're driving by, and I kid you not, just like uh, these guys with a Rolls Royce? Because of some, quote, secret sin, karma, that they must have done in a past life. That's why they deserve that suffering. Even that is built into this lie called word of faith. Crazy, it's Hinduism, repackaged, okay? And, and again, the, let me tell you, the, they're trinkets. Again, I don't have time to get into that. I had a whole stack in my office that we could have just done trinket night. But that was kind of scary of what these guys do, man. Have you ever got any of this stuff in the mail? If you do this and you pray this prayer and you, and you get a hundredfold, it's crazy, right? Uh, it's, it's, the Hinduism does it too. But anyway, these guys, they, a genuine faith nail, a prayer cloth, a, a, a prayer candle, a paper prayer rug, anointing oil, a cornmeal miracle packet, and on and on it goes. 
Listen to this, this one guy. He's, a, uh, he's selling these uh, a miracle hankies. Now, again, most people don't get this. They think, oh, that's just kind of a huckster thing. No, this is Hinduism. Hinduism does the trinket. You got to have the trinket to do the right thing with the methodology, and you got to believe, and with the right words and the mantra, you can make it happen. It's Hinduism. But anyway, he's got this miracle hanky, and he says, hey, you got financial trouble? Do you need a miracle from God? I want to rush you one of my anointed prayer handkerchiefs in the mail. And there was one person who supposedly got this miracle hanky said, ever since I used that miracle hanky, my neck stopped hurting. My whole body started feeling good, not only physically, but financially. It brought up my mortgage to date that was three months behind. A miracle hanky. And then one person goes, hey, get, this is real. This is an anointing of the Spirit of God endeavoring to break the curse of poverty and those generational curses off your home and life and business. Excuse me. There's another guy out there. His little trinket's this, because everybody's got their own trinket, just like Hinduism. This guy sells miracle manna. It's got to be biblical. It's, it's, it, no, it, it just, they slap Christianese on it and they do people. Remember, in their greed, they will exploit you. They'll rip you off in the church in the last days. Right? He says this, call for this biblical point of contact and get into position to receive God's best for you and your loved ones. And one person who apparently ate this miracle manna gives this testimony. I received a check for over $50,000. Whatever he say, you know, the guru. Whatever he say, do, do it. Every bite from this heavenly cake, you'll feel empowered and encouraged to move into all God has for you. Take this first new step, call the number on the screen, get your miracle manna today, and take this guy, listen, as your senior partner. That's right, make a $1,000 vow of faith, and, 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 and God will simply multiply that and just keep it watered. In other words, keep it coming. And fulfill your vow, eat this miracle. Is that ridiculous? Now, it's ridiculous, is it? But again, I belabor the point. Most people don't get the connection. Hinduism does the same thing. You preach the same lie of perfect, massive opulence because you say that's what the gods do. That's what these guys say. This is what God wants me to have. That's why I drive Rolls Royce. I'm following Jesus. Then the same thing Hinduism, you say, oh, perfect health. Oh, by the way, perfect health, these people promoting this, have you noticed over the years, they're getting older. I see a lot more wrinkles. <laughs> and guess what? Unless the rapture happens, you're going to die. <laughs> it doesn't even work for you. It's ridiculous, right? Hypocritical, hypocritical. Okay, but there's the same thing. And again, these trinkets. Let me give you one more. Uh, miracle spring water. Maybe you saw late night, two in the morning, those guys. Miracle spring water. Let me send you some of this miracle spring water, right? And because of this miracle spring water, I see many miracles coming to you. Money. That's right, money is coming to you. Miracle money, divine transfers. I want to show you how to get yourself in a position so you can receive. And this one guy gets up, I can feel it now. I can feel it, I can feel it. And I just want to say, yeah, I can feel it too. I can feel you getting ripped off with a huckster who's selling you a trinket with a methodology that whether he gets it or not, he's preaching Hinduism in the church. And most people have no clue, okay? And of course, that's what it is. You got to send them their money just like the Hindu gurus uh, to get that. It's all for money. It's all for greed. It's all for profit. Just like God would say in the last days, and most people in the church don't even get the connection. It's Hinduism, okay? Now, even the media knows better. Remember that shameful ways? It brings our the Christianity to Ill disrepute. The media, media, media knows this stuff is crazy. Listen to this a little bit real quick with Benny Hinn. This is from Dateline. Now, I don't have time to get in the whole thing. And you can read the notes later if you want. But let me just give you an example of what kind of lifestyle. Remember the, the guru, $6.7 billion, $1.5 billion. He lives in a home, at least at this time of the report, uh, that is 7,000 square feet, seven bedroom, eight bathrooms. Uh, the ministry said it's his parsonage, and it's a good investment. 
according to area realtors, it's worth $10 million. Hey, that's one crore. He's getting there, Mr. Guru. All right. Uh, he, uh, he flies around in a, a, his own personal jet, private jet. They pay $112,000 a month just to use that plane. He drives uh, Mercedes SUVs, uh, Mercedes convertibles. Uh, and then when he goes places, he don't stay in Motel 6 like you and I. Okay. Uh, in Milwaukee, and this is all reported, uh, he stayed in the hotel room $990 uh, per night. Uh, crusade in Panama, a uh, published rate of $1,700 per night. In Montreal, a regular rate of $2,700 uh, uh, a night. The room was the size of an average house, 2,200 square feet, had its own makeup room, dressing room, and a piano that played by itself. Uh, I don't have time to get all the clothing and the crazy stuff, but everybody on, uh, in Beverly Hills knows him quite well. Uh, but then he was coming back from California uh, from a crusade in Colombia, and uh, he stopped in Cancun. And, uh, and this was just a layover. It wasn't even at a, a, a thing, a crusade, so to speak. Uh, the cost of the suite there was $2,684 per night. Uh, and then, of course, he goes into uh, uh, over in Europe, and uh, he, he stays in this place in London. Listen to this, suite number 210, and the going rate was $3,124 per night. Uh, then in Milan, in Italy, he stayed in room 101. It's called the Presidential Suite, and it's, quote, fit for a prince. It's the largest hotel suite in Europe. It's got 5,400 square feet, three bedrooms, a formal dining room, a fireplace, a jacuzzi, a sauna, Turkish baths, large stairs, a panoramic view of the city, a 100-foot-long swimming pool inside the thing with marbles and frescoes. It sells for $10,000 a night. And he has the audacity to sit there and say, I have never lied to you, Benny Hinn. Never, I never will. I'd rather die than lie to God's people. Dude, you better wipe the crore out of your eyeball. With all due respect. Why do they do this? Because, folks, this is Hinduism. This is how the Hindu gurus live. We have Hindu gurus in the church today. We just don't call them that. The phrase is word of faith. It's all based out of Hinduism. Okay, now, one thing that Hinduism also teaches very quickly, and we're going to close, is they all teach not only you have this massive wealth, you can have so-called perfect health, you got to use these certain trinkets to get what you want, manipulate with the mantra and the God force and all that stuff, all Hinduism. Another big tenet we're going to see with Hinduism is they believe that all is God. You are God. We're all God. Uh, quote Hinduism, the entire universe, including you and me, is seen as a divine entity just in different facets, forms, or manifestations. Now, of all things, I mean, you already nailed it on the wealth, you nailed it on the health, and on the trinkets, and the mantras, and all that stuff. Of all things, for this exact same group to promote, guess what? That we are God. And I quote Frederick Price, same guy. God can't do anything in this earth realm except what we, the body of Christ, allow him to do. So if man has control, who no longer has it? God. Yes, you are in control. Excuse me? Benny Hannigan. He says, when, I, when you say I'm a Christian, you're saying I'm a little Messiah walking on the earth. That is a shocking revelation. May I say it like this? You are a little God on earth running around. Christians are little messiahs and little gods on the earth. Say, I'm a born of heaven. I'm a, even uses the word, God-man. I'm a God-man. I'm a sample of Jesus. I'm a super being. Say it. Say it. I'm not saying that's blasphemy. Paul Crouch, uh, TBN. Somebody said, I don't know who said it, but they claim that you faith teachers declare that we are gods. You're a God. I'm a God. Well, are you a God? He says, I'm a little God. I have his name. I'm one with him. I'm in covenant relationship. I am a, li a little God. Critics be gone. Kenneth Copeland, he said this. Jesus is no longer the only begotten son of God. What? Why? Because you're a God too. You are not a spiritual schizophrenic, half God, half Satan. You're all God. 
You don't have a God in you. You are one. I say this with all respect so that it doesn't upset you too bad, but I say it anyway. When I, Kenneth Copeland speaking, when I read in the Bible where he, Jesus says, I am, he says, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. Blasphemy. Kenneth Hagin says, the believer is called Christ. That's who we are. We're Christ. You are just as much an incarnation of God as Jesus Christ was. Morris Cirilla says, you're not looking at Morris Cirilla. You're looking at God. You're looking at Jesus. You've got to be kidding me. Now, my question is, you guys got this nailed 100% down the line. You preach exactly the same thing as the Hindu gurus. All this opulent wealth, all this supposed perfect health, all, you, you do the trinket thing too. You do the God for us, word this, all that, all that. You even say that we're God just exactly like Hindu. Why? We're going to close real quick, and I'm just going to give you a very quick history lesson into where all this started, and can get anybody guess in the 1800s where it began. It was a guy, Mr. Quimby, we'll get to him in a second, and guess what he was influenced by? Hinduism. Watch this, and we'll close. Uh, one guy says, word of faith has a funny doctrine. When you speak out of your mouth, it says uh, you, it's what you create. Uh, if you say the phrase, you will just be the death of me, uh, they always say, hey, don't say that, and they get all panicky, and thinking that somehow you're going to cause your body to rupture and fall to the ground and split in two, and green foam's going to run in your mouth. And he says, the reason is this, because this is part of their belief system. They believe that Adam was created in the image of God, right down to an exact being or duplicate. He even, they believe, looked just like God. Same eye color, everything. No, we're created in the image of God, but we're not God. Who teaches that we're God? Hinduism. Right? And because of this, that means they believe Adam was a god with amazing power. Whatever God could do, Adam could do. What do the Hindu gurus teach? You could become a god man and you could do what? Have all this amazing god power. Right? And they, so now they believe that all of us as Christians, we just need to tap into this and we can have the same powers of God. Okay, so that's the basic hint. So where did they get it come from? Well, it came from this guy, uh, Phineas Quimby. Okay, remember this guy's name, Phineas Quimby. Where did they get this god man from? He developed something called New Thought. Okay, New Thought Teachings. Hinduism 101 is basically what it is, okay? And this was in the mid-1800s in Maine. He would uh, never claim to be a Christian teacher, but his teachings are the very core of the Word of Faith movement and much of the charismatic community. Uh, Phineas Quimby created what's called New Thought. This is a philosophy where, listen, our existence is self-realized. It's a subtle form of saying we are gods who create our own existence by the power of what we imagine and say, if you imagine success, you draw success to yourself. If you imagine defeat or lack success, you attract that. Right thinking brings healing, is he believed. All diseases of a mental origin and true human selfhood is divine. What's that? Hinduism, right? Now, Quimby also got a, a start study into mesmerism, like we're mesmerized, okay? Uh, known today as hypnosis. So we got mixed into that as well. And so his health and healing teachings were based that if you attract what you think or speak, because, of course, you're supposed to be God, uh, then you, can you could do this to heal yourself by thinking healthy thoughts. I'm healthy, I'm healed, etc. Uh, combined with hypnotic suggestion. And you recover from everything, including death, is what he believed. He believed that sickness and death were illusions after all, and, but apparently it didn't work for Quimby because in 1866 he got sick and died. This is the core, though. I'm drawing you the chronological order of where does this stuff come today and stems all out of Hinduism. So this guy didn't know Christian doctrine, didn't know the Bible, Bible exegesis. Okay, he began teaching this new thought to such people. Listen to these names. Mary Baker Patterson and Warren Felt Evans. Remember that name. Patterson, Mary Baker Patterson, would marry another guy and her last name would change to Mary Baker Eddy. She's the founder of Christian science. 
who believes this same thing with your mind. She got it from Quimby. But don't forget the uh, Warren Felt guy. Now, the next important name in the word faith is a guy named Fred, uh, Frank Sanford. Sanford was a former baseball player in the very early days of the sport. Uh, he never uh, completed seminary, anything of that nature, yet for some reason he'd get hired by churches uh, for a little while, and then he'd get disgruntled and quit, and then and get dissatisfied and leave. And at one point he was just living in his step-parent's basement, and apparently he decided to start a commune. And he called that commune, don't forget this name, Shiloh. Okay, Shiloh. Well, it's got to be Christian, because that's a Christian name. And, okay, man. So, but this Sanford guy, he inspired a Scottish guy who engaged in a similar plan. He wanted to make his own religious commune, and this guy's name was John Alexander Dowie. So Sanford and Dowie, okay? He too did, didn't have biblical training, stuff of that nature. And so Sanford uh, was the guy where he started in the church claiming that the apostolic gifts were for today. You know, you hear people say, apostle so-and-so and apostle and that, and that you can have the gift of... This is where this came from in the church, okay? Also, speaking in tongues, so-called tongues, originated in this place called Shiloh, as did supposed prophetic utterances. Uh, both Sanford and Dowie claimed to heal people with a touch, a word, and both claimed to raise the dead. Now, believe it or not, they actually had a parting of the ways. You know why? Because uh, Sanford and Dowie, they both claimed to be Elijah the prophet. Now, to his credit, Sanford took that claim first. Dowie comes along and says, no, I'm Elijah. And pfft, they went their separate ways. For a while there, though, they tried to work out a deal where one of them can claim to be uh, Enoch and the other one Elijah and then somehow could still work, whatever. So Dowie goes off. He creates his own commune and instead of joining Sanford's. And he created this place called, listen to this name, Zion City. Zion City. What's Zion City? Uh, Zion City is where the Assembly of God denomination came out of. From this. Next, we come to another guy. His name is E.W. Kenyon. He went to an Emerson School of Oratory to become an actor. Okay, and it was created by Charles Emerson. He was a student of, guess who? Warren Felt Evans. Remember him? Who was a disciple of Quimby, who started the Hinduism thing. Okay, the new thought. And he also studied another belief system and kind of merged the two together, uh, Swedenborgianism, and combined those two together to basically get to the doctrine of what today is called New Age, which is basically a lot of Hinduism, etc. okay? And we'll have to get into that later. But Kenyon's only education, E.W. Kenyon, this was his only education into this stuff. Okay, but somehow he was actually ordained, went on to pastor uh, a church and to write. So, so here's the order. We've got Quimby, we've got Evans, we've got Sanford and Dowie. No biblical training by and large. And Kenyon Zilcho. Now you come on to the next scene, a guy, and his name is Charles Parham. Charles Parham studied from both Dowie and Sanford. You know, the guys fought over who they were, the prophet Elijah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and so he, he learned from these guys who had basically no schooling, So which means according to the law of diminishing returns, he got even less. Uh, so <laughs> and so he split off from those guys because he argued that speaking in tongues was to be an unknown language, a gibberish that nobody could understand. These guys would say, no, it needs to be a known language, which by the way, that's a whole other debate we've talked about a little bit before. If it's going to be a true gift, if it's even in function today, there's a debate on that anyway, but it's going to be a known language. I didn't say that Acts chapter 2, when the tongues went forth, which is glossolalia, all it means is languages. It's never gibberish. It was known in what? They heard them in their own language. So that's the issue. But he thought it was supposed to be unknown. So he split off from those guys and began teaching in Kansas City, the Topeka, Kansas Bible Institute, in a former funeral parlor. And he attracted students, and he insisted that they wear the latest clothing fashions. Well, you know, that's... These other guys said Jesus wore a designer suit, right? 
Anyway, so Parnum, okay, he started the outbreak of this unknown tongues thing. And this is still not Azusa. We're not there yet. And it's interesting is to note that this lady, Agnes Osman, now, she is accredited in the charismatic community to being the first person to speak in supposed tongues, okay, uh, in this movement here. And first female student. Now, look, I'm not making this up. You can check this out yourself. Uh, first of all, they got their history wrong. When you hear it today, they say, oh, yeah, she was the first one to speak in the unknown tongue. Well, even when she spoke on this supposed tongue, okay, uh, she said it was known. She said it was Chinese. So you don't even have that straight, right? But listen to this. I'm not making this up. This sounds so goofy. You think, oh, you made that. No, I didn't make this up. This is documented. She claimed not only that she could speak Chinese, okay, but she could write it as well, which turned out not to be a truth. That was falsified. But here is a transcript of a part of what she uttered. And this is supposed to be Chinese. I'm not making this up. Lazzle, lazzle, loggle, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> I am not, I am not making it up. I just, are you kidding me? Even if it were legit, it is not. <laughs> it doesn't end on eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Unless you're in Disneyland and you hug Mickey Mouse. I don't know, but we got some problems. Now, the final guy, and this is where it gets to the Azusa thing. Uh, Parnum School, you got this guy named William Seymour. He left to create the Azusa Street Mission. Now, guess what they're celebrating this year? The 100th anniversary of Azusa Street. Now, if you read the description of Azusa Street, uh, it was absolute uh, chaos. Anybody could get up and preach, and everyone did. Nobody stopped to ask for your testimony to even make sure if you were even saved. Everyone preached, listened, documented, including local witches and sorcerers. Until Seymour realized what they were, they were witches and sorcerers. He forbid them from preaching, but they still attended anyway and kept doing their strange worship while the service went on. Everyone preached except Seymour. All Seymour did was sit down with his head in a crate and shout repent from time to time. And he says that, and then also there's reports of kissing going on between unmarried persons during the service, and it was kind of weird. So he's not trained, the Seymour guy. Why? Because Parm wasn't trained. Why? Because Dowie and Sanford were not trained. Why? Uh, because none of the other guys that they follow were trained. And from there, you got Amy Simple McPherson, who most all Pentecostal and Word of Faith denominations come from. And the Word of Faith, when you do the history trail, comes from untrained men, not in the Bible, who learn from pagans and the cults, but today it's somehow spiritual, more spiritual than you and I, we're missing out. And it creates division in the church. Why? Because it's not true. And most people, we've talked about this before, it's not just a false teaching, it's not just not biblical, but how many people don't realize it's repackaged, Hinduism. We have today, I'll state it again in closing, we have today what I believe modern day Hindu gurus in the church. Just the names change. Word of faith teachers. Carbon copy. So, Lord willing, next week, if we all pray hard enough, we might get into the workbook. Let's close in prayer. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? 
Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay, the Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how... Uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word. Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest, we've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you, that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that. And it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says, we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. 
uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that? right now well this has been pastor billy crone of sunrise baptist church and and get a life ministries and if there's anything that we can do for you uh please don't hesitate uh to contact us uh our number our information will uh come up here on the screen shortly and uh, uh if there's anything we could do for you please don't hesitate to let us know uh thank you for uh joining us and uh remember i hope to see you in heaven god bless